We are switching things up this week. It is on me, Jessica Wetzler, for Valley Polity. But instead of Jim coming in, we have Ian Monroe, another reporter that we've kind of been tag-teaming on this General Assembly coverage throughout the session. So, Ian, thanks for co-hosting with me this go-around. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Of course. So, since we just ended up with, up with Super Tuesday, Ian, you were there um, much more than I was. So, I'm going to pass the totem pole to you on this Super Tuesday coverage and what it kind of looked like here locally and, you know, kind of an overall general national look. So I think a, a lot of people uh, were expecting Biden to win, and, and he certainly did. Uh, and I think one of the most interesting things about voter turnout around here, too, was that it it jumped tremendously. I mean, uh, we had 6,474 votes city, 70, 75 out in the county, uh, which is quite a difference. I mean, considering that in 2016, the city only had uh, four, four, and the county only had three, six. I mean, that's just pretty impressive. Uh, another thing to note, I think most importantly was, so Sanders, this has been his second time, Bernie Sanders, the independent from Vermont, uh, his second time running under the democratic flag for the president here. And last go round, he won Rockingham County by a sliver, but you know, 200 votes out of those 3,600 against Hillary Clinton. Uh, and, he won the city quite convincingly, one of his actually best results uh, in Virginia, uh, 2-9-14 to Clinton's one four eight two out of 4,400 votes in the city. But, I mean, this go-around, Biden just absolutely destroyed Sanders. I mean, like, looking at some of these results, it's really quite impressive. I mean, that uh, it it's as if Sanders... Just something changed, and a bunch of county residents showed up, maybe that didn't show up before or what. And I, another thing to note, too, is even with—some people may say, oh, Warren is—Elizabeth Warren, the Democrat from uh, Massachusetts, who's a little bit more progressive like Sanders of that wing of that party versus more central like Biden, even with Warren's votes— Warren and Sanders votes combined still would have been 500 votes short of ta- of winning the county, which is pretty impressive. And then, of course, we, you know, my, uh, the former mayor of New York City, Mike Bloomberg's dropped out. And Tulsi Gabbard, I mean, she had 50 in the county and what in the city? God, 106. Yeah. So that's yeah. I'd say that campaign. She was the pulling at less here. than one percent. So it's kind of just a matter of, you know, will she be in a few days dropping out or will she be the next one at this point? Cause we only have four mm-hmm. candidates left and the high runners are Biden and Sanders. Cause they're the ones that took home a lot of the super Tuesdays throughout the country. So yeah, Warren didn't even win her home state of Massachusetts. Biden did. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's telling too. I mean, this is, you know, we have a lot more competition this go around than 2016, but it's becoming very clear who are the big candidates and, mm-hmm big competition moving forward. So with this uptick in um, voter turnout, I mean, what is kind of your thoughts on going into November? I mean, I, I find it interesting because I was talking to some Democrats after the results came in uh, last night, and so, something that sprang to my mind was that maybe last go-round, a lot of folks were concerned they were more voting against Hillary Clinton than for Bernie Sanders. And Sanders at the time, I mean, he was a, a long-term you know, New England senator, but he didn't have much name recognition at all. And some folks may have just voted for Sanders, not having heard about him. But I think now, especially, he's been around a bit longer. 
there's been a lot more talk around policies that he's pretty much had, you know, headed for years, such as, you know, Medicare for all, you know, he's uh, quite a bit further left than Biden on border crossings. And those are two pretty big red meat issues for Republicans these days. Well, red, blue meat for Democrats on health care and certainly red meat for Republicans on immigration. So I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe a more central people who still view themselves as Republicans turned out and voted for Biden uh, just because they think he's less dangerous than Sanders. I don't know. But on a cursory look, I mean, uh, Sanders barely squeaked by in the county and took several of the localities uh, back in 2016. Uh, but, I mean, just Bernie just and, – and again, taking a look at uh, Warren as a quote-unquote spoiler doesn't, doesn't seem to hold up, even including – if you were to morph them into one candidate, it still seems like those votes aren't there for, for them. So I think that's interesting. Uh, but what it really means, you know, whether it's Sanders said something, uh, maybe a change on his stances, uh, a tweak of stances since 2016 has cost him that. Don't know. Uh, but we'll we'll see what it means in November. But I don't think those Biden voters will come show back up in November is my thought. They may end up going back towards Republicans because, again, there was no Republican primary yesterday. So. Some people who may view themselves as independents voted against Sanders this time, who maybe in the past just didn't vote, which would also explain an uptick in the votes. Sanders won every locality in Harrisonburg last go-round, uh, which he nearly did. Well, it's definitely shaping up to be an interesting presidential election this go-around. We'll have to wait till November when all the election pizza is coming into the office <laughs> to figure out what's going on and if we'll survive that night moving forward. But, you know, while we had Super Tuesday, that wasn't the only big event here in Virginia. I mean, this is the final week in the General Assembly. I'll be in session. So, I mean... We've kind of been doing this. Yeah, since, God, God help your soul. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this since the first week, and, and we've now very closely reached the end. And while we have been doing this, many of the bills that we've been talking about throughout the weeks, they're being signed by the governor, which is the final act in order for a bill to become a law. And it'll be all these things will be effective July first. But one of the bills that we've been looking at, you know, we have freshman delegate Chris Runyon. He had his first bill become a law after North them signed the legislation targeting sexual abuse education for those with disabilities. So, you know, I'll be in Richmond on uh, Thursday for the final day, and I'll be speaking with Chris about how his, his thoughts on this first session and, you know, to the accomplishment with it, to go in as your first session, only file five bills, and, you know, you already had two move forward and one already signed. So I'm sure he'll have plenty of things to say there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's pretty pleased about that, you know. Yeah, he's been working pretty hard, you know. He came in, you know, eager to learn and getting to meet all these people and, like, taking it all in. He, he had the support of uh, Steve Landis behind him to kind of show him, show him the way, so I'm sure he's a lot more prepared getting out of this session than he was getting in. But we also have another um, pretty popular bill that Runyon threw his name onto. It was the milk bill. And I know this was something oh, that... definitely. Yeah. yeah. I know this was something you were following pretty closely in that past last week. It still hasn't been signed on by the governor. But um, earlier today, probably just a few hours ago, um, the Good Food Institute was saying how this bill is a violation of the First Amendment. Huh. 
That is, yeah, I get, yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, it was a take <laughs> that, that I hadn't heard before. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't, they're calling for the governor to veto this bill and, you know, it's just kind of a time will tell situation, but I think it's an argument that hasn't been heard so far. And, you know, while we've been talking about it, a lot of people just don't, they're, their view on this bill is, why are we wasting our time on this? But then we mm-hmm. have all the farmers being like, well, this is actually a big deal. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, certainly some uh, tremors from the uh, Democrats around here, as well as Republicans back when they were naming the Speaker of the House, uh, you know, there was some concern about, you know, all the the folks up in the leadership positions tend to be from urban Northern Virginia areas. And I think that 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 may kind of speak to it. I don't necessarily know if that's an absolute link, but uh, certainly it seems as though the axis of, uh, of Virginia has been, has been gravitating further and further urban. And I can I can imagine uh, a growing amount of folks in with how busy they are. I mean, how many nights do you think they've been there past eleven? Well, I mean, lately I feel like it's almost every night. I yeah. mean, I, when we went to crossover day. Uh, Mark Obenshane, he didn't get to his apartment until after one in the morning. Yeah. And I'm sure this week it's going to be the same thing until probably tomorrow. It'll probably be that late. You just never know. Yeah. But. And yeah, and certainly, so for some urban areas, I could definitely understand where it's like, you know, all these little arguments about words. It, it's not necessarily like the Good Food Institute needs to win if they just draw out the battle enough and they can just, you know, they if they draw out the battle enough by making it muddy enough, making it too long of a process, it seems like a lot of folks who have other concerns from other parts of the state will just say, sod it, we'll get around to it next year. And that is uh, probably not what a lot of folks around here want. Yeah. And then while we've done this um, General Assembly coverage, I mean, you had covered a legis- um, a bill dealing with um, driver's license. Oh, yeah. that's so a, mm-hmm. what's been going on there? So that's a pretty interesting thing is that it seems as though, especially Hanger, uh, that, you know, trying to find the third end of the stick of this issue. There's a lot of folks, undocumented, illegal, who are driving around because they need to. They need to get to jobs, works, mass, church, the hospital, what have you. And so they don't really have much of an option because in Virginia now, you need to be able to prove residency uh, and so a lot of folks can't do that, so they just drive without a license. Uh, that also means driving without insurance. And uh, so basically there were two main ideas, and uh, one was a Senate bill, one was a House bill, and one was basically these driver permit uh, – what would they call it? Uh, some P word. Per, uh, not permits. But uh, anyway, they would allow them to basically have it. Uh, you would take a test. You had to prove that you were paying taxes in Virginia. You know, you had to get insurance. Pretty – uh, pretty fair, but it wasn't a license. Now, uh, there was a, a vaguely, if we want to put it on a simplistic political compass, further left, uh, one of the bills that said basically it would drop the uh, need to prove that you were a uh, prove residency in the United States uh, to be able to get a license. And I think a lot of folks' uh, concerns about that, uh, it just becomes a little too convoluted. Maybe people are a little bit concerned about voting. But it seems as though uh, the these driver, you know, these driver cards, not quite licenses, but these driver cards will probably be uh, ascendant. I'm not quite sure how that's going, but I went to a meeting uh, 
uh, organized by uh, nobody in particular, but some folks in a bunch of the immigrant communities from the, you know, temporary protected status folks, you know, some Virginia organizing folks, some Rockingham County Dems there, uh, just talking about it. And they really want the license, you know, they'll they'll take these, uh, you know, quote unquote, you know, packets, but... uh, they, they really do want they want the full license. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, considering that there's probably more political fuel on a fire for getting the the lower bill than the higher bill. So what is the status on that legislation? Uh, let's see. So that is HB one two one one. Let's check that. Uh, so jeez, oh, Virginia LIS. Basically, it seems as though a lot of groups like don't, don't even want to touch it, too, I think is an interesting thing. Some folks are just uh, concerned about how they may be perceived, especially with the growing uh, amount of folks in the community who may be undocumented. And, you know, uh, but let's see. So as of the 27th of February, we've got do to do. Uh, the Senate insisted on amendments. Uh, it was actually uh, rejected in the House, uh, trans dropping of the uh, dropping of the standard to have a you know a proof of residency to get a license. That was actually knocked down by the House. Uh, three yeses to ninety one noes, quite convincing. Uh, uh, with the Senate uh, changes. And uh, so the House rejects it, and then the Senate insists on the amendment. So as of right now, it seems as though people are – there's a lot of uh, chess going on to see how that one shakes out. And then – and the Senate bill, which uh, Hanger was a little bit more supportive of. I think that one that one has a lot of, I think, quiet support from, you know, Republican stalwarts like uh, supporters like the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, It seems as though a lot of those groups uh, have an interest in in keeping that sort of thing around, especially since it can bring about more insurance. Some folks also have safety concerns about, you know, if you can lower the amount of people driving without insurance, ideally – you would actually have uh, some folks who would uh, who would stay around and not necessarily just uh, do a hit and run. So, uh, but yeah, if we could come back to three forty six on that uh, driver's permit thing, do do do. I'll have to get that in a moment if you want to talk about the Cecil Gilkerson and Bob Holton real quick. Yeah, so while all these legislators are putting out bills that would become laws, hopefully, there's also um, bills going forward to do uh, commending people and various businesses, and the deadline to put those in was last week. So we're starting to get them coming into our legislative um, online system so we can take a look at what's happening. But while that's slowly coming in, we've had a good handful of um, of these commendable bills coming forward from our Valley legislators. We know we have one commending former Delegate Steve Landis. We have one commending uh, Bob Holton, who was the former Bridgewater Town Superintendent and Public Works Director. He retired 
in January. And so uh, Chris Runyon, who is from, from the Bridgewater area, he put out a resolution honoring him for his service. He has been in the community for quite a long time. Yeah, he had a big impact in there, didn't he? Yes, he definitely left his mark. And then we also have, we spoke last week, there was a bill honoring Pablo Cuevas. We got one honoring Marshall Patty and a couple other of the Augusta County Board of Supervisors members who are no longer serving at the moment. You know, we have one that came in that was from, from Mark Obenshane. It was on Nancy Sweet who was the president of the Harrisonburg High School Parent Teacher Association and the first woman to be appointed as the magistrate for Harrisonburg in 1974. So that was kind of an interesting history lesson there. But another little um, interesting history portion here in the Harrisonburg is we have some... Something that Ian touched on a couple weeks ago about the director of Harrisonburg Parks and Recreation. Yeah, Gilkerson there, Cecil. uh, He was basically a lot of folks said he was, and uh, all signs point to him basically being the founding father of the Parks and Rec Department. I mean, he took it from a a small, mostly volunteer organization to really uh, a well well running engine that it is now i'm not gonna call it a behemoth but you know it's it's a there's a lot more space than when he first started and a lot of folks he had an impact on you know a decent number of folks from his department had that same passion and he was able to support them well enough that you know they went on to be you know parks and rec directors in other parts of the valley so uh yeah definitely definitely one person who had a huge impact on the city and and that still exists you know the number of folks that you could you know you're tripping over folks in the road who said you know they grew up in the basketball courts uh you know in the fields that cecil had a big part in planting growing and building yeah and that resolution is being put forward by mark open chain so you know not everything has to be super serious in the general assembly sometimes you know it's it's warm and fuzzy every now and then yes. <laughs> takes the weight off every, every when you can yeah ripping everyone ripping each other's hairs out and occasionally you can agree on some yes occasionally and so you know despite tomorrow's like you know you never know it's supposed to be the last day of session but it's really not over mm-hmm. uh, they'll reconvene april 22nd to take up anything that the governor may have uh, vetoed put recommendations for on legislation anything that he hasn't signed that still needs to be discussed you know, it doesn't. We don't quite know how long that will take. It could be a, uh, a few days. It could, you know, be resolved all in a few hours. You just don't know what exactly we're going to be getting into from here while we're still in session. Mm-hmm. But you know, bef- before we can even think that the session is over, the next one's going to be starting. You know, uh, legislators can start pre-filing on July twentieth. Just a few months after getting out. So, you know, by the time they get back to their normal uh, duties and normal life here in the Valley, they're going to be having to think about what they're going to be doing next year in 2021. Mm-hmm. And then possibly thinking about if they want to run again. You know, we have our House of Delegates. They'll be up for election. You know, yeah, Senator- every two years. They're, God, their clocks must run even faster than ours in this newsroom. Like two yes, years. very and, much so. Yeah, pre-files. Yeah, but I mean, senators, they'll have four-year terms, so they can, you know, kind of relax here and there <laughs> yeah. a little bit more than the House of Delegates uh, will be able to. But, you know, that's why 
um, we're kind of lucky here in Virginia. We have an election every single year. So it keeps us on our toes and it's a little bit more normal feeling. But, you know, while we're getting to the end of it, we're, you know, you can still follow us online for all these updates. You know, where can people find you, Ian? Oh, uh, on Twitter at I am Ian, I-A-N, Monroe, M-U-N-R-O. And that's, yeah, you can also give me a call. I, I like talking to people on the phone. It's 540-574-6278. Yes, and he'll always pick up his phone. I'm very much witness to yeah. that here in the office. And so on my Twitter, you can follow me at Wetzler underscore Jessica, or you can follow me on Facebook at Journalist Jessica Wetzler. You know, we try and keep you guys updated when we can. And tomorrow I'll be heading down to Richmond to talk to our Valley folks in the legislature to get their thoughts on if you, you know, if they think they got what they wanted to get accomplished here this session or if it's going to take another one to get what they wanted to get done actually get done so again ian thanks for oh yeah thanks for having me today yeah, and absolutely we'll see you next week